You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have a great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Justice League the movie. Now, you may notice that Justice League came out two years ago. This episode was, in fact, recorded two years ago. It's part of that backlog that I keep mentioning. It was an episode that I wanted to get out a long time ago, but because the release schedule was sporadic and other things were coming up that were more time-dependent, I kept pushing it back further and further and further until we got to this point right here. Now, this is an episode that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I feel like there are a lot of things that I wanted to say on this episode that... You know, I don't see people talking about a lot on social media and various other places. I think I have a unique perspective that a lot of people weren't representing uh, for this movie. I mean, just to put, you know, things on the table here, uh, I actually liked it, which, you know, makes me like one out of five million people. But I made sure to have a very diverse set of opinions on this one, so I think it's also an interesting listen. So hopefully you guys will all agree with me uh, as you listen to it and find something to enjoy from it. Uh, I realize that, you know, uh, it's not getting a sequel or anything, so, you know, as far as that goes, this isn't an important episode by any means. I'm certainly not competing with the people who put their podcast reviews out like the day after a movie releases or anything but like i said this is i think a fun analysis episode i wanted it to get out there and so that's why i'm putting it out now uh so with that being said and with the knowledge that there will be more of these sort of classic episodes coming out in the near future let's join the podcast already in progress First up, we have a man that loves to play video games. If you talk to him, uh, he will uh, tell you about what he's drinking, and that is our friend, Mr. James Rowe. How are you doing, James? I'm doing so fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Great. So what's new? Um, just getting things rolling, finally. Um, I've been saying it for, like, weeks and months, uh, probably years, uh, <laughs> about getting uh, back on the ball for writing and podcasting and getting that stuff out there. Um, but I can happily say I'm actively, like, getting some of that stuff out. Probably not as quickly as I'd like, but um, definitely working on it. So, uh, yeah. Just other than that, uh, nothing else different. No, nothing else has changed. Oh, okay, well that's still that's really good. Uh, so what are you drinking today? Uh, today uh, I'm drinking Hogshead whiskey from the Edgefield Distillery, which is found in Portland, Oregon. So not some sort of like duty free exclusive uh, beverage like you're uh, like you've talked about before. No, I drank all that. I have to get more. <laughs> comes from the good old us of a (laughs) all right awesome Uh, so it's good to have you back on james 
Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was in the middle of the drink. Oh, okay, sure. So it's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward silence ensues. Okay. It is good for you, I guess. <laughs> So one of those voices that you just heard is someone that we always love to have back on the show. She has the hair that launched a thousand ships. She is the maniacal geek, and that is Sam Cross. How are you doing, Sam? Doing just fine, Nathan. So uh, how have things been going? Uh, how are things? Uh, things are things. Are things. Um, I'm trugging along with uh, my podcast, That Girl with the Curls. Uh, I just started. Uh, launched a, a new project that I'm going to be doing in my off time to keep myself sane, uh, which is saying something. Uh, with a, It's a blog about uh, archivists and uh, archives and pop culture, since that is my profession, my trade. Uh, I thought I'd kind of delve into how my people are portrayed in, in media. So I'm going to start off with that. And uh, yeah, other than that, just helping raise my nephew. That's about it. Right. Um, so yeah, I saw your link because you just posted that either yesterday or the day before. Uh, and uh, so yeah, I was a little confused about what it was about. So it's not archives about geeky things. It's the depiction of archivists in fiction. Yes. Okay. I got it now. Okay. So well, that'll be interesting. What, what part of the title was the confusing part? I don't know. What was the title again? <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, no, 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 we're not doing that now. Like, you don't get to do that. <laughs> Clearly, just, we didn't remember it well enough. <laughs> right. I just remember thinking at the time that it was going to be an archive of geeky things, not about, but anyway. I can't mm. remember what I saw, so I can't remember exactly why I thought that, so. Well, uh, then this conversation has concluded with nothing. Okay. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> It's great to have you back, Sam. It's always good to be back. <laughs> Next up is a man who is an expert on all sorts of geeky things. You could almost say that he's a revolutionary in the area of sci-fi, and that is my buddy Gary Mitchell. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, that's good. Got the silver eyes right now? Of course. I always put them in for you. Okay. <laughs> So, how have things been since the last time you were on the show? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I've started a new job, which is doing quite quite well. I'm in a leadership position, which is new for me. It not uh, well leading non geeks. Leading geeks, I'm used to from from Dragon Con, but leading non geeks, it's a little weird. You have to change your strategy. <laughs> you can't pay them with uh, with uh, films of and and obscure pop culture references. Or I'll put you on a panel, <laughs> right? <laughs> or scare them off with the Star Wars holiday special. Yes. I think that could scare off anybody, geek or non-geek. I don't think that that's mutually exclusive. Well, oh, yeah. I, I still I still love when we played it at DragonCon this year. Uh, for anybody who, who doesn't know, what we did is we, we, we viewed it for charity. And the way it worked was we told them, okay, we're going to start it now. If you want to leave the room now, it's $20. If you wait 15 minutes, it's $15. And I actually have one friend afterward who came up to me and he was like, you know, you told me it was bad, but you didn't tell me it was that bad. <laughs> like, I warned you. I warned you. I paid my $20 and got out right in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How much is that time worth to you of your life that you're not getting back? Mm -hmm. But we had people who stayed the whole time. So it was like, uh, good on you. You have an iron constitution for, <laughs> for bad TV. Well, I, I have to admit, I have viewed it once all the way through myself, but uh, never again. So I'm guessing those people are probably people who have never seen it before. Oh, yes. 
Like, it can't be that bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why is B. Arthur on a Star Wars show? She was, like, the best thing about it. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know. I think that Boba Fett short was probably the best part about it. Singing Boba Fett rules. <laughs> yes. It was the coolest he ever was. So, uh, so Gary, what what uh, what industry is your job in? Uh, we are eyeglass manufacturing. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> Especially if you come to me, yeah, it, it's 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 a nationwide company, and and it's we're doing rather well. We uh, and, and we're not going anywhere, so it makes me happy. So, uh, anything else um, happen, or is that pretty much the big news? That's the big news. I also finally have uh, abandoned the cult of Apple and him switching over to uh, Android. <laughs> yes, we welcome you. We welcome you with open arms. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm finally ditching my iPhone Seven and getting over to a Samsung Eight. Yeah, like Eight Plus, I think it's in the mail. <laughs> I just did it today. Now I have to figure out. Okay, how do I get my iTunes music onto my Samsung? <laughs> Arcane means. Yes, it's hard enough just switching between iDevices. <laughs> my wife's trying to figure out how to like get her progress from like apps on her old iPhone onto the new one. That's it's. it's Anyway, it's a whole it's a whole thing where I'm having to go on forums to figure it out. So it's not easy. But anyway. All right. Well, it's uh, great to have you back, Gary. It's good to be here. And finally, that last voice. He is the podcasting mogul. He is the whole reason that we have an Earth Station 1 network in the first place. And that is our director, Mr. Mike Faber. How are you doing, Mike? Thank you, Gary. Uh, Let me start that over. <laughs> Nathan, thank you so much, sir, for having me on tonight. Hey, no problem, Mike. Uh, since this is the, your first time on the podcast, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. I'm 5'11". I'm a Capricorn. Uh, oh, oh, like <laughs> other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, my name is Mike. I am a podcaster, and I'm still recovering. And I've been doing this now for almost eight years. And ESO spun out of my podcast, Earth Station One, and we are coming up next week with our 400th episode. Ooh. And it kind of just happens to tie in with Star Wars, which is actually pretty awesome. And so I thought that was pretty cool. But we you know, are fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of very talented people who like talking. And we then started the ESO network. And right now we are up to 26 shows on the network. And we're always looking for new shows to join us. Um, talking about all things geeky. It could be, you know, people come onto the network and they say, well, I'm not really a geek. And it's like, you can be a geek about anything. You could be a geek about art. You could be a geek about sports. You could be a geek about beer. You could be a geek about person with curls. You know, it could be anything like that. <laughs> There's just so many curls to be geeky about. <laughs> exactly. See? It's pretty darn awesome. So it's it's a neat thing to do. And we have topics on the network ranging from science to wrestling to general geekiness to even, you know, people talking, you know, about Marvel, DC, you know, it just it depends what people want to talk about. And it's a great great bunch of folks and we even just recently had a podcast that talks about kilts how cool is that you know you could be a geek about kilts even you know 
You know, just don't ask me to eat haggis. That's all I have right. to say. <laughs> so, but it, it's pretty awesome. And I got a little distracted at the beginning of the segment because I'm trying an old friend for drinking tonight. And it's a lot of fun. I was able to get a, a bottle of Black Butte Porter from the Dushitz Brewery in Bend, Oregon. Mm. And I am a huge Porter fan. And it is one of my favorites. I got spoiled living out in the West Coast and became kind of a beer snob out there. Oh, okay. So you and James can now have a podcast together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All the drinking. Yeah. Exactly. How drunk can you get in a podcast? That's what it should be called. Oh, like, man. Drinking. Very. Pretty messed up. <laughs> oh, we've done it on Earth Station 1 once or twice, and I think I remember those episodes very fondly. So it, it's a cool thing. And, you know, I work with Gary, you know, of course, you know, doing mm-hmm. stuff for the American sci-fi classics at Dragon Con and, you know, been fortunate enough to be a guest at Dragon Con the last few years and hopefully they'll continue to bring me back, you know. <laughs> thank you for all those people who decide to say, hey, bring back Mike Faber. It's always a great thing. Well, thank you for having an Earth Station One network for me to be part of, Mike. Oh, my pleasure. You have been knocking it out of the ballpark since you started up and, you know, been very very happy to have you here and you know the feedback i get from your podcast is like why did you let him on you know (laughs) but i look at them and say because he's darn good that's why oh thanks (laughs) i'm blushing if if only if only that's why we do an audio icons blushing uh yeah well someday someday i'll have a people are telling me uh why don't you do youtube and i'm like um because it's an audio show <laughs> well as i like to always say me and my co-host mike gordon have faces for radio it's a good thing <laughs> i've made that quote also so <laughs> i totally get you it's but, funny because uh, we forteed a little bit into doing videos and we've done a couple youtube projects for earth station one and a couple people like that's what you guys look like <laughs> Ouch. Exactly. Or either that or when I'm at Dragon Con and I'm walking and talking to somebody, somebody stops me. I recognize that face. And it's like face. And you owe me money. Exactly. They recognize it from the Big Lebowski is the is the thing though, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Let us stop Jeff Bridges and say, Hey, I love your podcast. <laughs> but uh it's good to have you on, Mike. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so next up is a bit of a change-up for those of you who have been on the podcast before. Normally, we would do five questions, but I'm varying things up, and now we have a segment I'm calling Five-Minute Controversies. So, uh, instead of five questions, where we had five random questions, we could either go one way or the other, this is just going to be one question that we talk about for five minutes. Um, And so, hopefully, it will overall be a shorter segment because five questions started becoming uh, like 40% of the show. So No um, promises. <laughs> <laughs> so today's question. DC has announced, I don't know, a few months back that their movies are um, no longer going to be in a single continuity, that they're going to have movies that are sort of scattershot, you know, alternate universe, whatever, and that even the ones that feature the Justice League characters may or may not be in the same continuity. Is that a good move for DC or is it a bad move for DC? So, Gary, why don't you start us off? Well, considering that's the way they've been treating their movies since 
since day one. Uh, you know, Superman does not tie into the Keaton Batman, which does not tie into Batman Begins, which does not tie into Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God yeah. nothing tied into Green Lantern. That's all I have to yes. say. <laughs> Come on. Everybody uses that as the low point, but you cannot tell me it's worse than Catwoman. What is this Catwoman you speak of? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. If you haven't seen it, then... It's not even. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that, you know, the continuity, while it is one of the strongest points of the MCU and the way they've done that, mm-hmm. the way that DC movies have been, each one being individual, I think may be a strength. Um... Uh, Lord knows I haven't been looking for much out of the DC movies, so continuity, I can throw that out the window, is another thing I'm not looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I mean, we talked about Marvel and about how Marvel had the strength of having that unity. Why is it a strength for DC to... to, to do it separately. Can I jump in here real quick? Sure, yeah. Now, yeah, I just had Gary start us off. Anyone can jump in now. I've been a DC fan probably the longest of anyone in this room. And because I'm old, first off. And also... You've se- been alive longer. <laughs> exactly. But, but second off, DC, in a lot of ways, up until Crisis on Infinite Earths, didn't really have a solid continuity anyway. Marvel was the ones that had the continuity where, you know, you know, hey, you remember Spider-Man running into Daredevil? And they had the little asterisk, see, so-and-so issue, blah, 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 to, you know, talk about that. DC, a lot of times, really didn't. A lot of times, DC Comics would have, you know, Superman crossing over in the Justice League or Batman crossing over while in his comic book he was fighting the Joker for five issues or something which obviously he wouldn't be able to be in it didn't go in any chronological order is what I'm going at and so for DC it's almost like so they're not going with the movies no big deal and it was Marvel who was more, you know, stringent on what happened that things stuck a lot of times. You know, until a lot of, you know, till Batman started having some of the characters grow older, like Dick Grayson, or have some of the legacies start with, you know, going with the Earth 2 and Earth 1s and, you know, tying in with that. That's when they started getting into somewhat of continuity, but not, they've never been tight. And how many versions of the Legion of Superheroes has there been in DC Comics? You know, so basically when you're going with DC, it's almost like, okay, they're not doing it and they're not going to do it with their movies. I'm fine with that. And like Gary said, Superman the movie doesn't tie into Batman or you don't have the 1966 Batman TV show tie into the George Reeves Superman TV show or the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. They're doing that now in the comic books more than, you know, other things but, you know, with the Batman 66 stuff, but they're not doing it you know, you didn't expect it from the TV shows or the movies so I'm not I'm fine with that Well, I think you're also talking about a different era, you know in terms of how we're consuming media as well, so when you're, what DC and Warner Brothers have been trying to do at this point with the, the DCEU has been trying to play catch up to Marvel and so they saw what was working for Marvel and instead of 
doing you know, the work by introducing each hero one at a time and then building up to the Justice League. They're like, yeah, one Superman movie, then Justice League pretty much, right? You know, that's that's, that's how we'll get the monies. Um, so I, I feel like... I, I, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, the best course of action that they can do is non-continuity uh, movies because it might let them focus more on actual characters <laughs> because they are sorely in need of good characterization that isn't Wonder Woman at this point. Um, so maybe like a, a series of Brave and the Bold movies would be a lot better for uh, not only the audience but you know just the DC brand in general. Well, it certainly seems like it would give the directors more control over the movie that they're trying to make because it wouldn't have to tie into what anyone else was doing. And that can be both good and bad, you know, depending on the director in question. Um, <clears throat> Zack Snyder. But, um, you know, in general... <laughs> In general, though, I mean, the, the potential is that, you know, that they could tell a much better story and not be hamstrung by any kind of, of continuity. Now, the, the flip side to that, of course, is that they can't do the build-up that Marvel's done where you can just start a movie and not need to do any kind of explanation because we had all the characters introduced already. Well, well do they, though? I mean... Look at the Elseworlds. I mean, which is kind of what they're doing is they're making a, a DC movie universe of Elseworlds. You know, in Red Sun, when Batman showed up with a little furry hat, he still had his bat ears, and we still knew it was Batman. Yeah, but you're also talking about Elseworlds being marketed to a comic literate crowd, whereas movies have to be for a more general audience. So I'm not sure that you can expect the movie going public to be as savvy. I, I, I often say that movie studios underestimate the movie going public, but I think in this case, depending on how how many of these different continuities they do and how many overlap as far as using characters that were in other, you know, that are different iterations, I think it could get a little confusing for people, for, for general audiences. But continuity relies on what you've previously done in the first place. So if they decide to, you know, uh, tear it all down and start over again, you know, like I said, let's, I mean, just given what I already suggested, the Brave and the Bold movies, I mean, if you do two or three Brave and the Bold, you know, type, you know, team up type movies, so you're focusing very basically on two heroes, you spend those movies building them up, and then you can build actually to a more Justice League style movie because because you've spent two other, you know, two or three other movies building up six characters that are now introduced to the general public. The this idea that you have to have some kind of knowledge of the comic books in order to even enjoy these movies is complete bull. Like you can actually enjoy a lot of these movies if the storytelling is good enough to to give you that uh, a sense of who the characters are because that's really what it boils down to. It's like the story and the setting, everything is supposed to help build up these characters so that we as the audience are attached to them so that by the time the big team up movie happens, which you can still accomplish, it's not I mean it's really not terribly difficult Difficult, uh, you can still accomplish that because you've given the audience time to get to know these characters and then they have something invested in them based on their track record now we just don't we're, we're not invested in any of these people james we haven't heard from you yet and i wanted to give you <laughs> a moment to speak if, if you had any thoughts of this it's okay um i've been taking my time to sip on my drink while you guys went <laughs> so much deeper in um, <laughs> okay <laughs> no we, we jumped mean, in with both feet 
Right? Yeah, I mean, that's my frustration overall in the franchise, is, is when I look at DC between all of its departments. Because let's face it, that's part of the issue when you get down to like comics readers of DC who are going to these movies is a lot of us, like we don't just read the comics, right? We read the comics division, we watch the animation division, and we watch the movie division. And the problem is, is there isn't consistency between any of those divisions at all. It doesn't ever feel like they're really linked. Like, it's not like anybody who wrote a script went to the comics division and went, hey, there's like a really long history here. Um, let's talk to some of the people who have written these characters. It never feel or have been writing these characters. It never feels like that was a conversation that ever took place. It feels to me like every story we've seen so far in writing in direction has been somebody's longtime fanfic that they wanted to make come alive in some sort of way, Zack Snyder. So it's really frustrating because as, as we're talking about continuity, I, I'm kind of on that page of like, I mean, I think they could create continuity in doing some sort of, not necessarily post-credit scene, because a number of regular moviegoers, I mean, I've watched it time and time again. I'm sitting in the theater at the end of the credits, I'm like, oh, there's something at the end. And then I just watch a bunch of people who are like, oh, that's it, okay. And they just walk out, and I'm like, they've missed out on something that could be crucial. I still see that today. I went, When I went and saw Justice League last weekend, credits started, people got up and walked out, and I'm like, do you not know by now? Yeah, well, and I think a lot of the general public just, they, they either don't know or they don't care, um, because they're not invested in it in the comic book sense, but part of the problem with those post credit scenes, not to get too far into it at this point, but, like, obviously at the end of Justice League, it sets up something that's kind of big-ish that now, that there's a lot of people who never watch that, like, suddenly it'll be like, oh, there's this thing we're planning on doing, potentially, and the basic crowd of people will be like oh what but why i don't understand so i think that they do need to work hard to find the balance still i think that's dc's biggest fault for me because they're not finding a balance between making the comic or animation watcher uh population like happy with like what they've either visually already seen or read for years but at the same time finding a happy medium for the general crowd um, and I'm not sure what DC can do about that. I think standalone movies are a better opportunity for them to flesh that out because, I mean, that was the problem with, like, say, I don't know, Aquaman. was like, nobody knows anything about him. Like, general public, nobody knows who the f*** Aquaman is. They just don't. Um, <laughs> so the problem is, is how do you make that how do you make these characters relatable? How do you make them somebody the population cares about? Um, standalone movies are a great opportunity to do that. Uh, I think what Sam said with like pairing like a couple of heroes, so you have oh like we get to see Cyborg and Flash since they tried to make some sort of like awkward geeky bromance between two of them. Like do a movie together so we can actually see that like grow and see like where there's an actual friendship between these characters, um, so that we are invested them invested in them in the future if we have a bigger team up or something like that we'd be like oh yeah those characters work well together i like them there's a good chance of that because you know look what they did in spider-man homecoming how marvel had tony stark in there quite a bit and it wasn't an iron man movie it wasn't billed as you know hey robert downey jr is going to be you know co-starring in this it just happened to be a crossover and is that what we want with dc maybe but I think these characters are strong enough to go it alone 
or maybe have a reference to it. That's also why the TV shows in the DC universe work so well, because you don't have a hero, you know, Green Arrow popping up in Flash every week or every other week, or Supergirl having Flash show up, or New Black Lightning having any of these characters. He's going to be going in his own. He's supposed to be in his own little universe. So it's going to be interesting to see how they tie it all together. Yeah, one thing I am going to say, and we're going to have to move on uh, from this segment, uh, is that kind of teeing up on what Mike said. That is one thing that I do wish that Marvel had just kept the team-ups to the Avengers movies, because even though some of that's fun, I feel like, for instance, there are more stories that you could tell with Thor that are just about Thor than having to throw the Hulk into the latest Thor movie or where Captain America 3 was, you know, basically almost all the Avengers and stuff like that where I I want more solo stories about just them doing the things that they do without having to merge together a bunch of plot lines with a bunch of other characters. So, uh, in a way I do kind of wish that uh, that, was, that was less and so I think that there is potential for what DC is doing, even though probably in my at least in my opinion i do prefer i do like continuity i do like having things that all kind of like merge together and form a seamless story hole because i feel like you can tell more dramatic stories if the scope is wider but you need a lot of planning and that's the one thing that i don't think that dc has really demonstrated yet is that amount of planning that you have to put in to do that so if they're not going to do that i think that uh, having more standalone continuity light uh, approach is probably a better way for them to go. Alright, so yeah, this was a fun discussion. <laughs> it ended up being more of a 15-minute controversy, but oh well, it's still shorter than five questions. You know, 15's divisible by five. That's true, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before we go on to talking about Justice League, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. Live from Chicken Town, this is the Flopcast, a podcast obsessed with comic books, Saturday morning cartoons, conventions, music, stuff from the 70s and 80s that nobody else remembers, and chickens. It'll be the silliest half hour of your week. You can find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. I'm the mayor of Chicken Town, and I approve this message. And we're back. And as we talked about at the beginning of the show, this is going to be an episode about Justice League, uh, the movie that came out just uh, before Thanksgiving and um, was the culmination, um, or theoretically the culmination of what Zack Snyder has been uh, doing with the uh, DC film uh, franchise, the, the third installment of the trilogy, you could look at it, uh, that he started with Man of Steel. And... Um, 
James and Sam and I have talked about Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman on this show before, and uh, Gary and I talked about Batman v Superman way back on the Revcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for anyone who hasn't seen those shows, I think we should just go around really quick and just say, if you, let's not go too far down the rabbit hole on Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, but just coming into Justice League you know what were your impressions of man of steel and batman v superman and you because that would kind of inform how you approached the movie um so sam why don't we start with you oh okay um (laughs) i was sorry sam i I was frustrated with man of steel when i saw it because i saw a lot of potential squandered and i didn't care for the characterization of superman at all and this is coming from a girl who was you know was and is uh, much more of a Batman person, um, much more of a Wonder Woman person, and I have freaking Big Barda tattooed on my arm. But I was frustrated with it, but I thought maybe they could course correct a little bit in the next movie. I was so wrong, because <laughs> I actively came out and uh, I actively hate Batman versus Superman. I It is one of those movies where I came out of the theater and was just so mad, <laughs> angry, like flames on the side of my head uh so yeah uh and then i loved wonder woman wonder woman was amazing wonder woman was like the greatest breath of fresh air i could have ever hoped for um in the history of things but uh and i still haven't seen suicide squad so i don't care but so going into justice league i had no expectations uh and if there were any they were so low it wasn't possible for me to be any more disappointed. And I came out of it with a, a similar, it's okay. It's an okay movie. It's it's not as terrible and awful and soul-quenchingly uh, disgusting as Batman versus Superman. But it's never, ever going to hit the heights of Wonder Woman. So it's, it's somewhere in that weird middle to low. You don't have strong feelings on this at all, do you? No, so? not even close. <laughs> okay, James? Um. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> follow. You gotta follow bro. that. <laughs> so, Man of Steel, very similar to Sam. I had a lot of hope for Man of Steel. Um, like initial previews, I was like, oh, like is he taking this a little bit in like the the Earth One graphic novel stance of Superman, where he's just like, I have these powers. I don't know that I really want to use them at all. Like, I just kind of want to be like everybody else and like the internal struggle of Superman to just like not want to be a hero. And then they totally didn't really do that. And so I was I wasn't impressed with Man of Steel at all. After that, uh, low expectations for Batman versus Superman. And then I saw it. And much like Sam, uh, I kind of just walked out of the theater on fire. So much so that I immediately texted Sam and was like, we need to podcast about this. Like, now. Like, when do you want to do it? And then Sam was just like, I'm available in like a couple of hours. And I was like, let's do this. Um, Most of that was also like alcohol fueled because I took (laughs) a flask to the theater with me um, because I was like, this this is going to be just a horror show. So, yeah, and Sam and I did a podcast. It exists for anybody who wants to find that. Uh, just look through Sam's page and her podcast. Hours later. <laughs> and you'll find it. It took us three hours to re-summarize a three-hour movie. Like, it was, <laughs> it's, it's, a long, it's a long listen. I had a lot of expectations. Um, 
not so much for Superman, but again, a big Batman fan. Like Batman uh, next to Ron Swanson is my spirit animal. So I was just like, yes, Batman. And there were just so many things that fell short in that movie for me. And then I saw Suicide Squad because I was like, can't get worse than BVS. Uh, I don't know if it's worse or on par. It's somewhere in that ballpark for me. Nobody's missing anything by not watching it, in my opinion. So yeah, the bar was just low. And like I said, Wonder Woman was this nice breath of fresh air. I was like, oh, thank you, Patty Jenkins. Thank you so much for appreciating the character, for making her an amazing hero and strong and awesome and having some good writing here like this is just this is everything that i wanted other movies to be why don't they have these people doing it so i i had a little bit of hope (laughs) justice league like a little bit because i was just like well because at the time when it was announced that joss whedon was doing the reshoots i apparently really misunderstood a lot of stuff because i was just like oh he's just doing like a few things here and there and the movie was basically done and then lo and behold i found a whole lot more information out just before i watched the movie that was just like oh this isn't gonna be good okay i watched the movie and i didn't love it i didn't hate it but here we are (laughs) (laughs) okay uh mike okay kids all right, here we go. Superman, Man of Steel. Hated it. Despised it. There was no reason for Superman to become a killer. There's so many different issues with that movie that I could spend a whole three hours just talking about that. Then we went to Batman v Superman. I don't think I hated it as much as the first one, by no means. Wonder Woman was amazing in it. Uh, she was truly a breath of fresh air. And then... I didn't even mind Affleck as Batman. I enjoyed it better than I thought I would because I keep on thinking it could have been George Clooney. It could have been George Clooney. Uh, 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 well, if you set the bar low enough. It, well, exactly. <laughs> and I did love Jeff, Jeffrey Irons as Alfred. Uh was a true plus for me. I enjoyed the banter between the two of them, and that made the movie for me. Lex Luthor was amazingly awful doomsday was horrid then the whole thing what your mom's martha my mom's martha too you know that was just like oh please friendship was martha gate exactly the martha friendship so (laughs) they became super friends right there right there on the spot so sorry for poisoning you with kryptonite cal i didn't dread it like the other two did uh wonder woman was amazing we're not talking about Suicide Squad. That's dead to me. <laughs> Truthfully, the only parts I actually even liked in it were the Joker and Harley scenes where they you know, talked about her origin and then scenes with Affleck as Batman. I enjoyed that, too. But that was it. I thought it was basically, oh, let's have another Will Smith movie. <laughs> and, there was no rap at the end. I was yeah. let down. <laughs> eh, good point. And then with Justice League... I stayed away from previews. I stayed away from reviews. I went into it with an open mind. I saw, you know, the trailers and then hearing that Joss was taking over for the man I spit on. I was happy to hear that. But I, like everyone else, I thought, oh, maybe he just, you know, add a scene here and add a scene to there. Not coming in and basically adding everything, rewriting the whole movie. And lightening it up and, you know, that type of thing. Um, But, you know, we'll talk about 
what my thoughts on Justice League were in a few minutes, but that's my background. Okay, and Gary, what about you? Uh, I'm going to pretty much be treading the same ground everyone else has trod. I loved Man of Steel up until the next snap. And as it was coming, I remember sitting in the theater going, please, God, no, please, God, no, please, God, no. Uh, because up until that point, I thought they were doing fine. Uh, it was, I was finally seeing a Superman at the power level Superman should be at in an actual superpowered fight. Um, but I, I have to agree with Peter David that there's a world of difference in between I, a character who says, I will never kill, and one who says, I will never kill Again, Superman is about hope. He's about finding another way. And I've heard all the justifications I can stand of the, well, it's his first outing. Well, you know, you could, that's bad writing if you can't think of a way around that. If you can't think of a way to make Superman relevant to a modern era without making him a killer, that's a problem with you, not the character. But I'm going to get off that horse and change horses uh, to Batman. Uh, Batman v Superman was mostly hot garbage. I agree with uh, the people who, you know, the the Alf. I love Batman. Uh, I love Batfleck. I think we actually did a podcast about that together. Yeah, so I, I really like Affleck as Batman. I love Irons as Alfred. Uh, he that was pretty much the good part of the movie. The rest of it was, uh, like I said, hot garbage. It's like they wanted to have the Joker and the Lex Luthor as a villain, and they couldn't do it, so they just made Luthor into a combination of the two. And the whole Martha thing has been beaten to death. I think it's a problem the fact that Zack Snyder does not understand altruism or superheroes who will do the right thing because it's the right thing. Yeah, and anybody who has Superman say the line, "No one stays good in this world." does not understand superman on a fundamental level well he just wanted to do a batman movie so that's really <laughs> yeah well exactly and and superman is supposed to be the ultimate boy scout yeah and i mean i do believe that there is room for alternative uh interpretations of characters but when you want this to be your sort of flagship movie series i think it's problem but this isn't like an elseworld superman of here's a different interpretation of superman this was the flagship so it, it it's problematic in that sense i think yeah and you can also have a superman who's got doubt or is having trouble i mean all you have to do is read kingdom come for crying out loud and you can see a superman who's dealing with things but in the end cal always comes around and does the right thing that's his biggest power you know they just don't understand that and then they kill you know then they they come up with this half-assed doomsday they kill him off and it was just terrible suicide squad i liked i thought it was fun uh, i didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world but i i enjoyed it and Margot Robbie is a fountain of charisma, <laughs> so I loved her Harley. Uh, it was nice to see Will Smith actually acting and not just doing a Will Smith as Will Smith in a Will Smith movie starring Will Smith. And Wonder Woman can't get enough praise. Uh, every time Gal Gadot smiles, my heart just leaps. And Sam and I talked about Wonder Woman on a podcast, so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you about that. Um, yeah, so when I went into Justice League, my, my expectations were low. I uh, And just to give my background here, um, just to sum up, my impression of Zack Snyder after seeing Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and, and combined with other movies of his that I've seen, is someone who cares a lot about visual presentation and does not care about the human element at all. Um, I don't think that he really cares about creating a true emotional hook for the audience and that he really just wants to put the CGI up there and show really awesome action scenes. But the issue to me was that I didn't care. You know, usually I'm all about the action.
action sequences, but that's because I care about the characters. And so when you have, like in Man of Steel, the long, drawn-out fight between Superman and Zod, I mean, even before the next snap, to me, I was just staring at the screen going, why am I so bored when this much action is going on? And I realized it's because there was never any effort to make me identify with him. You know, I I don't identify with this Superman at all. He is so far removed from everyone, you know, uh, even within the movie universe, that there's nothing, there's no touchstone for me. And, And I feel like Batman v Superman was the same. There was also some editing problems with Batman v Superman where it was like you were watching two different movies dude there, there were so many problems with batman versus superman it t- like <laughs> it takes like five or more podcasts to really go through that yeah. Yeah. well they were trying to adapt three different stories and didn't handle any one of them well it, you can't jump to the dark knight returns in your first movie <laughs> right well, i know but uh yeah i mean i did i did like some of the things that affleck was doing with batman like like everybody else was saying and and i like the jeremy irons alfred but the but the movie itself again fell flat um and uh, again i didn't really feel there was any emotion. i mean the best thing about the movie was when wonder woman you know fighting doomsday and smiles you know, I mean, it's like, that was, and that was an emotional hook to show you, like, hey, this is someone who loves going, like, using her full power. You know, she's happy that she's able to fight on her, you know, her true level, you know, and so that was, you know, a good moment. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, going into Justice League, because of that, because um, I didn't, even though I loved Wonder Woman, I didn't really think it mattered for Justice League, because, it, you know, Wonder Woman wasn't a Zack Snyder film. Mm-hmm. So, I, I God, right. (laughs) So I used Man of Steel and uh, and and Batman v Superman as my barometer, and so I went into Justice League basically going, you know, I'm gonna watch this because I think for pop cultural knowledge I need to, but uh, I'm probably gonna feel the same way I felt about Batman v Superman, and um, at least on my for me, I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw. Um, But uh, but so let's. Let's sort of open it up, uh, or let's open it up now, um, to discuss the movie itself. So, um, I'm sure no one was surprised that Superman came back. Hmm. Worst what? kept secret. Shock <laughs> So, um, for me, you know, and, and the reason I wanted to go straight into this was, for me, one of the issues with the first two movies was that I did not care about Superman at all. And I feel like there was some effort made when Superman comes back in Justice League to actually have Henry Cavill be smiling, to have him be more personable, to have him, to have Superman be a, 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 you know, just a more emotive character. And I appreciated that. And I felt like, you know, everyone was worried that death was going to like screw up Superman. I think it gave him like a word, like it made him a hundred percent better. Um, so how do you guys feel about Superman's depiction in justice? League? I think this was the Superman that I've been waiting to see since Christopher Reeves gave up the role. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree. No, it was the, the best thing that this movie did was course correct on Superman's personality and by that I mean mm. they gave him one um, right. it was I mean for the, the, the whole thing about killing him was the stupidest idea from the mm-hmm. previous movie and, and that movie has a lot of stupid ideas in it but killing Superman was a big one because it affects how Justice League goes because they have to spend like a, a, a whole portion of the movie resurrecting him 
and they really didn't need to do that. Like, I mean, it real it was it was something that maybe if you hadn't killed him, you wouldn't have had to do this time suck uh, of of resurrecting him. Um, I think because James and I actually saw the movie together. Um, and I think after they resurrected him, I kind of turned and I was like, well, that was a fun side quest, kids. Uh, <laughs> it's just uh, but bringing him back in the way that he he is or was or whatever. He, he he smiled he, and he had a personality and the joke at the end with Cyborg I thought was probably one of the better ones with the like nope I'm sorry I want to die it's cool <laughs> that was probably the best line well I think you nailed it it's like it, it, he they gave Cavill something to work with I've said this before but if you watch the Man from Uncle movie he did you see how much charm and charisma Cavill has as an actor, and they mm-hmm. didn't give him anything to use it on. And in this one, he did. I mean, we guess that the the opening moment when he came back, and they gave him, like you said, stuff to do and a personality. And I was like, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even the scene with him racing the Flash. <laughs> well, even before that, when he's like, uh, you know, when the Flash and him are also doing like a little bit of a, you know, a, a sort of gentle competition with the saving people thing, and it's like. I am saving an apartment. You know, Flash is so happy. I've saved this truck full of people. And Superman's saving the whole apartment building full of people. But that's because he's Superman. Right? It's the most Superman he's ever actually been to the point where you're just like, oh my god, this is what I've been missing the whole time. Like, if, if there's one thing we can say that Whedon contributed is that he, he, he really gave us Superman. Yeah. Well, I mean, and just the moment of like, you know, we have to fight Steppenwolf. And he's like, wait, there are people about to die. I have to go save them. Boom. You know, he didn't even hesitate. Just boom. He's out of there to save the civilians. Meanwhile, Batman's like going, Steppenwolf? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we just, kicking I, our ass. I just told you what we needed to do right here. And you just, you just left. You bailed, man. <laughs> right. But yeah, again, I appreciated that because that is the Superman that I want to see. Oh, of course. That is, you know, that almost made the movie with me. The two things I loved about this movie was I did like the version of The Flash in Mm -hmm. this. And I did love, you know, I did like Henry as Superman. I thought he this was what I wanted him to see. Like Gary had said... With the man from Uncle, he was awesome as Napoleon Solo. But in the two Superman movies, he was white bread. He was bland. It was just like, and I didn't feel anything from him. This is the Superman I've been waiting to see the whole time. And I, I walked out of that movie smiling. I was not upset with this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zack Snyder usually doesn't just use gray tones with his color palette, but it's also with the humanity of the characters in his movies. Oh, come on. <laughs> pa Kent saying, oh, you should have let those people die in the school yeah. bus. That is not Pa Kent. No. Right. And well, I mean, so you sort of understand where this version, why this version of Superman is like this, but at the same time, it's not something that I want to see. Um but uh, but you brought up the Flash, and that's another. Uh, that's a good point. Um, you know, I I found him a little on the annoying side personally. But I like the one thing that I liked is the idea of 
when you have super speed, it doesn't mean that you're coordinated. So if you were a klutz before you got super speed, now you're a klutz at super speed. So all the things with him tripping over his feet and everything, I really love that. And I love the idea that this is a Flash just starting out. So just things like Batman is like, just save one person. You know, and it's like, and then from there, just figure out after you've done that, what's the next thing I can do and do that. I, I love that. People seem to be split almost 50-50 from what I've seen, though. Either they tend to love this Flash or hate this Flash. I love this Flash. I thought he was fun. I thought he was funny. And like you said, I like seeing him as a new. And the thing I liked about that interaction with Batman, Just Save One, is we got to see mentor Batman. It's like, okay, this is a Batman who had a Robin or two. Or possibly four. Exactly. And the thing with this, though, is the Flash you saw here, like Gary said, this is an early version of him. Uh, he's basically all in the movie. He says, all I do is push people out of the way. And the only villain he actually probably even fought was Captain Boomerang. Literally, you know, that was it. And, you know, he didn't have the experience. Yeah, we got very, we've gotten very spoiled with the flash with Grant on TV and everything. But if you notice this flash also runs differently than the Grant version does. He runs like he a lopes. speed skater. Exactly. He's like, he bent, he's like almost crouched over like a, a Napoleon or something, you know, speed skater going for, you know, like almost gliding across the ground instead of like how Grant, you see him running. Yeah. And can we also give it up to, they found a way to do super speed in the movie without aping Quicksilver. I don't like the costume though. I'm no, just going to say that. Yeah, the, the costume could use some work, but I, I can live with that because they got the personality I like. Well, and now he's best friends with billionaire Batman who could just, you know, Tony Stark it and buy him a new one. Cause that's mm -hmm. what Batman does. Well, he buys banks. So, you know, why not? <laughs> well, he also bought a him a role line. at a police department. Oh, I did like the idea that this was a Batman who had been around so long that he had contacts all over at least the country. Cause it's like, you know, when they needed Barry to like, uh, get into the prison or no, no, they need to track Barry cause he was going to the prison and it's like, do we have somebody like at the central city prison? Oh yeah, we have, we have a contact, you know? And so he was the guy yeah, that, Jimmy you Olsen. know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so rest in peace jimmy <laughs> right. but uh but yeah i don't know I, I don't like characters who are so socially inept um you know that they can't just function you know like i i don't know it's just like the whole thing with him talking about the bat signal like in plain clothes and you it, know it, how, it how little, weird that was it got to a point where i mean this is clearly where a lot of the rewrites came in uh with joss whedon because i mean I liked Barry for the most part, but it did, I agree with you, Nathan, I think there were times where it got on the annoying side, where it's like, okay, we get it, he's your he's your comic relief guy for the most part, because, I mean, even when he was in the bat cave, and he's like, it's a cave with bats, a bat cave, like, okay, alright, let's... Let's tone it down a little bit. Like, we don't need to be, like, super... I, I don't know. It just felt a little too, like, high-functioning idiot, you know, for uh, for me. I don't know. Right. The fist bump with Cyborg. I like that. The So when they're digging... When they go uh, doing a good old-fashioned grave digging um, for to get Superman... Like I like do. that. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> uh, I like that moment between him and Cyborg. Like, I like that he's trying to connect with him. I like that he's trying to make friends. You know, that's fine. And the fist and the the non fist bump that ha that doesn't happen is is great. I don't feel like the payoff was as good as it should have been. Like, because they actually fist bump in that slow motion bit, and 
I didn't care for that being where it happens. I really feel like it should have been when Barry drops him off in front of the the Unity. Uh, right before he leaves, Cyborg should have been like, hey, Barry, you know, and then puts the fist out, and then Barry could have been like, oh my god, yes! And then, you know. I, oh, there was also a fist bump at the end when we get the hero shot of them all standing on the ledge. No, that's what I was talking about. Oh, I don't okay. I don't like that that's the payoff of that. Yeah. I, I feel like that should have been right before he, he leaves him at the, the mother box. I also did like, um, though, talking about when he zipped around the Batcave, I did love when he zipped around the Batcave and he's sitting in the Batmobile and he has this look on his face like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, um, talking about like the roster as a whole, and it kind of informs the way the plot sort of happens, but how did you guys feel about the characters that they pick to be in the justice league and the exclusion of longtime, you know justice league characters like martian manhunter and green lantern well you did get kind of a cameo by a green lantern mm-hmm. oh well, true fair, fair enough yes but not it was not any of the four human green lanterns yeah i mean i didn't i didn't feel bad um mostly because like based on what we have had um Granted, nothing in the case of Martian Manhunter in a movie format. Um, so, I mean, I don't feel like... Because I did feel like part of the problem in the movie is, like, we kind of just got, like, rough shot with, like, a brief introduction of, like, hey, this is this is the Flash. This is his background. That's why it's important. All right, and moving forward. And it was the same with, like, this is Aquaman. This is his background. Moving forward. And so it was very, like, quick synopsis. So I don't feel like characters, like... Green Lantern or Martian Manhunter could have been done proper justice in any kind of like introduction, mostly because I already felt like I was lacking for those characters. And then two characters that are from outer space with a whole origin that is way bigger than like, you know, leaning towards, you know, the, the briefness of how the flash got his powers, so to speak, or, you know, how Aquaman, you know, hates his real mom, you know, whatever the case is, it's, it's like those characters are, are from different worlds, you know? So it was one of those, I wasn't upset about it. I was hoping that we would have had a, like a little cameo towards the end. Cause there was, there was in one of the trailers, there is a moment where and they never showed it in the movie which i'm like i want to know what it was where it's alfred and it looks like he's out in the woods uh with a car so he's either burying a body um or he's just out in the woods for some random reason um and and he says he told me you would come and that was it and i was like ooh that could be a Green Lantern. That could be cool. But how would Batman know about the Green Lantern? Um, and then I went, because he's, he's Batman. Batman. <laughs> so it was one of those where I feel like there there could have been an opportunity in like post-credit scenes um, or something like that to have briefly been like, oh, there's like, there, there's, you know, other heroes, um, you know, that have the potential. I mean, they leave that opening with the whole, like, we're going to found the Justice Hall um, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, exactly. Where, you know, they need room for more chairs type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely that opening. But I think after the really bad taste that was left in a lot of comic readers' mouths, aside from the fact that it's just not really a great movie with Green Lantern, I felt like this would have been, like, way too soon to, like, just throw Green Lantern in there and be like, hey, Here's one of the human lanterns. Um, I just don't feel like it would have fit. That well, I feel like my... at the reception that the Green Lantern movie got is like there's no way they were going anywhere near that character yet. 
Well, here's the thing, and this is one of the things that I noticed while watching, especially with the fight scene at the end. It felt like we had a lot of super strength type powers. And I would have liked to have seen a different, you know, I would have liked to have seen like something like Green Lantern, which isn't super, you know, which isn't based on strength at all. Or I would have liked to have seen like phasing and telepathy or some, you know, you get what I'm saying. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just felt like a lot of the characters had a very similar, you know, punchy sort of power set, which is, which, you know isn't bad, but I just felt like more variation would have been nice. But you have to not realize... into muscular dudes going and punching <laughs> other muscular figures over and over again? Well, <laughs> I know some friends of mine who sit in on our podcast sometimes who'd be very happy about the muscular dudes punching each other. So, <laughs> But in all truth, though, folks, you have to realize this. Like when we say we would love to see Martian Manhunter, we would love to see Green Lantern. That's because we are familiar with the Justice League. 80% of the people who go to the movie to go see Justice League are not even familiar with the characters. Maybe they know Superman and Batman, but that's it. No, I, I understand that. Although I do think that Green Lantern is a fairly recognizable character because he was in Super Friends. He was in the Justice League animated show. He had his own movie. Despite the fact that that movie wasn't well received, it had Ryan Reynolds. You know, so you know that there's a large portion of the public that went to see it. Um, so I don't think I just dis- I'll disagree with that. I think, you know, like my girlfriend, you know, when I was in college, went to go see, you know, Batman. She had no interest in superheroes, but you know what? She went to go see it because I did. She enjoyed it, but she didn't know from Jack who Batman was, you know, that type of thing. And a lot of the people who go take their kids to go see some of these movies, don't know, aren't that familiar with it or such. And, you know, we're just assuming, oh, they watch Super Friends. They watch the Justice League cartoon. They watch, you know, the Ryan Reynolds movie, you know, or they watch Supergirl so they know who Martian Manhunter is, you know, stuff like that. We assume that, but there's more people out there who don't. Like, there was an article recently about more people went to go see the Thor Ragnarok movie than have ever read a Thor comic book. Ever. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, no, and I but you're relying on, you You basically have to rely on then the movie to tell the story for you. Like, this this whole, um, you know, oh, they uh, the assumption of reading the comics or watching the cartoons or watching the TV shows. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a portion of your audience will have done all those things, and that's fine. And you can definitely lay, uh, so, you know, put some Easter eggs in there for them because it's like, oh, good, you've you've read this or you've seen this, so you you will be in on this joke. The, the, the mission of these movies, I mean, especially if we're talking about movies that want to rely on a certain level of continuity, is to make sure that they can handle the amount of characters and have some kind of satisfying, you know, uh, either overarching, you know, story arc or smaller arcs per character, you know, and that's usually what the purpose of the individual movies is, is that we build up, we build up, and then suddenly, oh, big team-up movie, now you don't really need to be reintroduced to them too much because you've probably seen the other movies, but this one, so this one's going to be a big old payoff. Well, here's the thing, though, is when we talk about Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, these are three titans of pop culture you can't tell me there's anybody who don't who under over the age of six who doesn't know who superman is but or who doesn't that, know who batman is that's not the point though but 
Well, what I'm saying is that you can do a movie and you can skimp a little bit on there. I mean, we don't need to see Martha and Thomas Wayne shot dead again. Well, exactly. I was so happy that we did not get that in this movie, that we didn't need any of the origins, really, except for, you know, Cyborg, you got kind of got. Well, yeah. And let me be clear here. I wasn't saying that we they should have had Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern on top of the characters we got. I was saying that maybe like, say, Aquaman could have been subbed out because other than the fact that they wanted one of the mother boxes to be in atlantis there was no real need for you know the final battle final battle didn't happen near water so you know it could have been you know instead of aquaman maybe have martian manhunter or green lantern or something like that but again everybody uh, most people at least have an idea of aquaman they may not have read the comics or seen it but at least they've heard of aquaman and everybody knows the you know he talks to fish joke so again using aquaman is a core starting member of the justice league someone they can thumbnail the origin story on so we have more time to tell the actual story well yeah but i would say green lantern and aquaman probably off uh, occupy a similar tier in pop culture whereas cyborg is like uh i have no idea who that is i know he's in the comics but well, they threw him in because jeff johns is a producer on this and jeff johns really likes cyborg and jeff johns put cyborg into the justice league comic that's why that's happening <laughs> Also, Aquaman. Jeff Johns loves Aquaman. But but from a pop culture standpoint, he is fairly unknown because he hasn't even been around as long as the other characters in the Justice League. Who, Aquaman? No, Cyborg. Oh, Cyborg, no. He's a 1980s character who started in New T-Titans number one. Right. And I'm kind of glad to see him be upgraded to the big leagues because I think he's a great character. And I hate to say it, but it also keeps the entire cast from being a bunch of white friends. Well, you could have the John Stewart Green Lantern. Yeah. Well, that, actually, when Green Lantern came out with Ryan Reynolds, that was the big complaint that who's this Hal Jordan person? Most of the kids who went to go see that movie at the time knew Green Lantern is John Stewart from the Green Lantern cartoon and, and from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Exactly. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, I would have for visual purposes, I would have liked a different, you know, more diverse power set. I could have been done with life. another woman on the team, quite frankly. I mean, that would have been nice. Oh, Dr. Light? That would have been awesome. What? Dr. Light, the, the, she's been on the Justice League. She has light powers. Oh, I was thinking more hot girl, but you know. <laughs> okay. Ah! Yeah, no, hot girl. That would have been cool. Hot girl would have been amazing. Um, well, if done like the animated version and well, not yes. like the Legends of Tomorrow version. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, we're not going there right now. in my head. <laughs> what, why you okay, got to so, start those kinds of things, Nathan? <laughs> all right, so let me, let me say that. This, this is hopefully something we can all agree on. In my opinion, the soundtrack was completely on point. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Danny Elfman did a great job at the soundtrack. Not only did we get the Batman theme, which Elfman created for a good portion, we had riffs on the John Williams Superman theme going on during that movie, just woven into the Justice League, uh, you know, uh, soundtrack. So I, I really appreciated all those touchstones. And again, realizing that this movie doesn't stand on its own, it is part of a legacy of DC movies going back to the 70s. Well, he even said that uh, in an interview. It's like, you know, we've got this iconic music. Use it. <laughs> yeah, Sam, did the music at least thaw your heart just a little bit? Of course not. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate I appreciate it, but then it goes back to this idea of not letting a movie like Justice League stand on its own either. I mean, if you're if uh, if your point of fact is to, you know, recall, you know, go back to something 
you know, else that has nothing to do with this particular continuity, then you're like, well, now we're just cashing in on the nostalgia of previous movies in order to, you know, compensate for the lack of what we have here. I mean, I, I do feel bad for the original composer uh, that had been like, cause he had been doing work on the musical composition for justice league. So I do feel bad for junkie XL, AKA Antonius Holkenberg. Um, because I mean, as when you're an artist um, and you create work and then your work doesn't see the light of day, I'm sure that's a huge disappointment. And to be honest, I'd be interested in hearing what his compositions were, um, what the tone of them was, how they were set. We've heard the music from him before, um, obviously in previous Zack Snyder installments. Um, and it's not that it's like horrible music. Like he's a good composer. Um, it was just the, you know, music composed for a very dark, gritty tone. And this movie very clearly after DC spoke with uh, Zack and made it clear, like, we need to brighten this up a little bit. We need to have some humor. Um, your dark, gritty thing isn't going to work as much. You know, there had to be some sort of compromise there, obviously, in, like, musical composition. Um, I do like Danny Elfman as a composer. Um, and it is nice to hear that nostalgia. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I find myself growing more and more away from nostalgia factor of things, where I'm like, nostalgia is great. But to some degree in my own brain, I'm like, but nostalgia is a lot like people saying, well, it's tradition. Well, mm -hmm. it's okay to break tradition every once in a while because not all tradition is good tradition. Um, and so I, I do like when we get to hear new composition, we get to hear new ideas and new theories out there. And if it doesn't work, great. Now we know. And that sucks. And, and, and you move on and you find something different. And sometimes you're pleasantly surprised with something amazing. And, and you're like, oh, you know what? That was better. I like that. I hope they do more of that. So it, it is sad that we don't get to see that. Um, I mean, we know Danny Elfman makes all of the music. Um, his track record is is huge um, for the music he's made. But um, it would have been nice, I think, to hear something different. Well, at the same time, though, it's like saying, I want to go to a James Bond movie, but I hope they don't play the James Bond theme. I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah, no, and that's true, because, I mean, that is the one thing that has sort of stayed true through all incarnations of James Bond has been that theme, um, even when they're dealing with the different continuity and everything else. But that's um, not true of any of the other movies, like the the... you. The James Bond, yeah, are connected by uh, a particular opening, um, but the themes are never the same. Uh, the Batman movies have all had different composers at one point or the other. You know, Hans Zimmer is not the same as as John Williams. It's not the same as uh, Danny Elfman or whatever. So it's, I don't feel like it's the, it's as comparable. Right. No, that was actually what I was going to say. Oh, I was okay. Say, that's that's pretty much particular to James Bond, though. So I mean, that's uh, but yeah, I. I but, yeah, see, for me, though, I do like that touchstone because it was something that did remind me of happy childhood memories, so it was, and I don't feel it detracted from the film, so since it didn't detract from the film, I was fine with the inclusion of those riffs, because, I mean, overall, it wasn't a huge part of the music that was on display, but there were moments, and I liked that. 
Yeah, and it wasn't like it was in our face. Like you said, it was just, oh, here's a bit of the old Batman riff. It wasn't entirely the whole soundtrack. Because, yeah, I think that would have been overpowering if they had gone through the whole theme. Danny Elfman just uses the entire Batman 89. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this is the easiest money I've ever made. (laughs) I'll take my truck of money, thank you. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I often criticize Elfman of a lot of his soundtracks sounding very much the same, so uh, I thought this was good. I thought this was good how he did some new stuff. He wove in some of his old stuff and even took a little bit of John. I mean, there were, the Superman theme was, was very sparse in there, but he did, uh, there were, I think, two moments that I remember hearing the, the riff on the John Williams Superman theme. All right, so... Uh, Affleck. We've talked about Affleck a little bit, talking about Batman v Superman, and of course there are now all the rumors that they're going to recast Batman, and whether or not it's just for the standalone movie, or if they ever do more Justice League, all that's as confused as anything else coming out of DC right now, but I just sort of wanted thoughts on, did you like uh, the portrayal of Batman in this movie, and would or would you like to see him recast if they did a Justice League too? I mean, yes, but... I lean more on no. <laughs> so, so, so I'll, I'll explain. So okay. I liked instances of Batman in this movie. Like I felt like it got much more back down to the roots of like the animated series Batman or even like older Batman movies and kind of how we saw Batman actionable and what he did. Um, there's one particular scene that uh, continues to stand out to me in Justice League. And it's after he's in the Batman mobile or tumbler whatever the hell they're calling it these days um it goes up the side of the big alien thing blows up and he ejects out of it at the right moment and then he back grapples to the ledge he swings in and kicks a guy in the face and he does a nice little bat roll to avoid a gunshot and then throws an explosive device on him and blows him up and i was like that is every animated batman i've ever watched i love this um and i just wanted more of that i wanted to see batman do more of that in the movie but mm. there was so little of it like that like that that was one of the few, very few instances where I was like this is batman I know it was the running joke in the movie, uh, you know, very verbally taken in the scene with Barry where Barry's like, "So what's your superpower?" and he's like, "I'm rich." And I hated I, that. I hate yes, like I hated the fact that it like if it had just been like, "Oh, it's kind of a little jokey joke," but really Batman has all these other things. Um like, I don't know, he's the greatest detective in the world. Oh no, Cyborg'll take care of all of that. Um they really just took away all of the thing, uh, a lot of the things I think that make Batman be Batman um, in this movie by either passing it off to another character to take those duties up um, and literally just made him the money guy. Like it was like, so- oh, I built this thing so it could take us here. I can do this. I can buy Barry Allen's education. Like, I <laughs> was like, <laughs> it's, also, it's, it's also the the rich guy with a death wish. Like, it's like, in both Batman versus Superman and in Justice League, he's he's basically like gunning for for some kind of sweet sweet death at this point. I well, mean, it's it's kind of depressing. It, well, I think that comes well, from Snyder deciding to jump straight to you know the Dark Knight Returns, where he is looking for a good death. Exactly, uh, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does is it pulls him out of it and even makes a point of it when you know we have the big fight at the end and Aquaman jumps on the tumbler, which is straight out of the Arkham Knight game, which was amazing. Uh, and he goes, so, suicide, that was your big plan. <laughs> you think we're going to let you get away with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like the answer to Barry should have been 
justice. Yeah. Well, it was it was interesting though. But to go on what you guys were saying though, with you know, he even said in this movie, "I've been doing this for twenty years now." Yeah. And also, when he was in the airplane with Alfred, and he says, "Remember when the toughest thing we fought were wind up penguins?" Right. Yes. And (laughs) I love that line. And it was they were trying to lighten Batman up in this, and you could tell that was obviously a Joss instead of a Zach. I liked his relationship with Diana. They gave an explanation as to what, you know, because that's the one thing everyone asked after the Wonder Woman movie is it's like, well, where was Wonder Woman during all the stuff that happened after World War One? And they kind of explained, you know, that from that perspective of how she's always just done kind of personal stuff ever since that because she didn't want to be responsible for people anymore. But I like the whole interplay between them that both Bruce and Diana kind of built each other up over the course of the movie you know uh and and kind of like helped each other see what what their strengths were um i I really liked that and i liked the idea of the older grizzled batman you know while i thought it was wrong for batman v superman i like it in justice league that he is the older wiser more strategic thinker that you know has been through a lot of this stuff and can sort of give advice to people and like the scene where they showed the bruising after superman threw him into the car you know, and he's talking about how he shouldn't even be doing this anymore and everything. I like that sort of world wariness to Batman. Um, so, so I actually really like. I, I, I want to see another couple of movies with this incarnation of uh, Batman. That would yeah. be nice to see, like what I mean, because I, I think Ben Affleck's a, an amazing director. I think he's a really good writer and everything. So it would be interesting to see what he could do with the character, you know, without having the studio being all like, oh, well, we got to change everything because this other movie didn't do as well as we thought it was going to because we suck at our jobs. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so I I actually enjoy uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. I just want them to give him more to do, you know, in terms of actually being Batman. Um, and I do want to speak to the point of Diana and her absence of 100 years is basically because, oh, Steve Trevor died. And I just, yeah, I didn't go out there as much anymore. It's like, really? You skipped over World War II, Vietnam, South, you know, Korean War, uh, a number of skirmishes in the in the Middle East and uh, the what, Eastern Europe because your boyfriend died? I didn't get that impression at all. She said, I didn't want to lead people. She's like, I went out when I needed to and I took care of stuff, but I didn't want to lead anyone because I didn't want to be responsible for their deaths. So my thinking was that she was doing like secret stuff that we don't even know was going on during World War II where she just went behind enemy lines and like took care of stuff. Yeah, Wonder you know? Woman and, 2 is coming. I'm pretty sure it's going to try to fill in some of those blanks and I'm kind of with Nathan on this. You can't like keep spending every Wonder Woman movie having like, oh, by the way she was totally here at that time and it completely (laughs) negates the whole like oh yeah she was absent for a hundred years um because that's what she tells bruce she's like i was i've you know i haven't been in the world of men for a hundred years i've been doing my thing at the louvre apparently but i don't know it felt like a really flimsy excuse for why wonder woman hasn't been around i mean don't get me wrong i was fine with you know uh batman uh confronting her on that i just wish that the excuse had been better also love, I have to say, I love when Flash goes, you realize if she kills you, we'll all cover for her, right? <laughs> that was a good line. 
<laughs> also, uh, when uh, Aquaman starts going in and it, you suddenly realize he's got the lasso around him, and he's like, yeah. you know, I just don't know. Like, I'm just really like, yeah, I'm not really sure about like my place in this world. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to die. Uh, I'm young. Uh, I, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. <laughs> I'll take obvious Whedon lines for 100, Alex. Yeah. yeah. Although I think my favorite obvious weed in life had to be, I have a family. Why does everybody keep saying, saying that to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a few ca- uh, places where I felt like the, the weed and humor got too much. And one of them, I think, was when Batman's hurt and he's like, ow, ow, that's definitely broken or something like it, that. It was that. And um, when Superman's like, I didn't think you brought me back because you liked me. He's like, well, I, d- I don't, I don't not. You know, it's just like, okay, we're getting a little too jokey with Batman now. Yeah. Right. I, I prefer my Batman more stoic. Yeah, and those and those moments took me out of Batman. Like, I hate to say it, like, those little quips, like, from him, I was like, I, I, I don't feel like that's something Batman ever would have said. Batman would have just, like, been like, I'm gonna, like, silently go drink some scotch and be really sore right now and then go do it all again tomorrow. Like... I, I don't know. Like, I've never seen Batman in anything, like, griping about, like, <laughs> any of his pain or making quips to be funny about, like, his pain. Like, he knows he's mortal. He knows he does. Like, if he gets punched by pretty much anything that's not a normal person, it's going to break parts of him. Like, he's aware <laughs> of that. <laughs> it, was bas- it was, like, more of a Dick Grayson line, basically. Like, if that had been Dick Grayson, I would have been like, yep, that's something Dick Grayson would have said. <laughs> So, um, how did you guys feel about the action sequences in the movie? Because I have to say, as much as I love everything that Marvel's done, I do feel like here, you know, I've said before Zack Snyder cares about the visuals, but I felt like this was the first time I've seen a movie where it felt like the action from a comic book was translated onto the big screen with all the way that, like, Wonder Woman bounds, like, a hundred feet in a single step, and the, the, the level of strength and how when people punch and the damage that's taken by other characters and everything else looked, you know, really, you know, every like everything I've ever seen before in a comic book. And because I felt like the characters were better fleshed out, I cared this time. And so I'm just curious what you guys thought about that. I thought the CGI was awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that gets into the whole villain. I thought Steppenwolf was awesome. You know, excuse me, awful. <laughs> I thought he was... He he sucked. He was weak. There wasn't any kind of power, you know, behind it, you know, between behind the character itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they mentioned Dark Side once. Although apparently there was more about Dark Side that was cut because Zack Snyder isn't going to do Justice League Two. The original plan was going to be that Justice League Two was going to have Dark Side as the villain. So this was going to serve as a setup to that. And uh, that what I what I understand is that that was cut. Yeah, they've already squandered Kirby's fourth world at this point. <laughs> I liked seeing the Parademons. I thought they were awesome, and I loved how in the flashback. When the characters died, you know, who were fighting Steppenwolf, they became parademons. Yeah. And that was pretty awesome. But other than that, you know, I thought it was weak. I liked the mother boxes, but Steppenwolf himself was horrible. Yeah, I never yeah, I, I never mean, felt like as a villain he was actually threatening. There was never a single moment at any point where I was just like, oh, like the heroes might not actually have a chance at like winning this like that. There was never a moment of that with him. Like most of the time I was like, your face looks like it's messed up because of something or another. Um, 
you look like a video game bad guy. Like you really do. And I really, really hope somebody just punches you out of the planet, like right away. Um, mostly because I felt like that was a possibility. I never at any point was just like, oh, like, like it's on the line. That that was never the case. Superman should have just picked him up and threw him in the sun. I mean, well, yeah. and, <laughs> well, and to be honest, once Superman actually enters the fray at the end of the movie, it's the done. fight's over. I mean, up, I mean, that's the whole reason he's diverted, and that's the whole thing when whenever you're doing Justice League, you got to find something to distract Superman while the League deals with the bad guy. Well, Otherwise, that's the thing. The, the thing that distracted Superman was just like so innocuous at the same time because it's just like, there's people I need to save them. Right after they're like, we need you to hit that big guy down there because we don't have enough of what it takes. So it was just like, okay, I'll distract myself. And he just like left. And I mean, I appreciate what he was doing. And again, it was like, it was a very Whedon moment where it's just like, let's use this for comic effect in the middle of what's supposed to be the big threat um, to, you know, make a, make a joke between, you know, the flash being a newbie and Superman being obviously super strong and kind of skilled at saving a lot of people. Um, yeah, it just, I don't know. It, eh, I felt lost on it. Here's the thing, though. When you want to have that you don't have all the setup movies ahead of time, this movie had to set up Cyborg, Aquaman, and Flash. And so there wasn't enough time when your villain is a new character to also set him up. You know, that's why the Avengers used an existing villain so that we, we were already clued into Loki and his backstory, so th there wasn't a whole lot of setup that was needed there, and that that was the problem, I think. That's why Steppenwolf doesn't work. That's the whole that's the whole problem with this this movie is in, in, in a nutshell, is that you have three heroes that we're marginally sold on in terms of like, okay, we know who they are, we have a semblance of an idea of what their background is, and then you've got three more characters that we have to bring in, introduce in a way that people will like, sort of, and get them excited for solo movies, maybe. Um, but then you also have a villain that comes in that's new, that no one knows anything about, is entirely CG, which gives him no weight or purpose in the actual like action scenes, because then it just becomes a video game. You know, this it's it's movie making 101. You have to have some kind of physicality to this villain that makes him seem actually threatening. And there's nothing about Steppenwolf that is threatening in terms of the context of this movie. Well, exactly, and that's part of the thing with Steppenwolf was he was supposed to be in Batman v Superman. They cut that scene out of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and, well, and it's honestly, you know, the villain problem is something we've been having with all the the superhero movies. I mean, of all the superhero movies, we've of villains, we've got Loki, who's a decent villain, and we've got Loki. He's a great villain, <laughs> um, and, and we've got um, um, what's his name, Loki. <laughs> I mean, the pro like Samantha said, is we didn't we need someone to set him up, and it's a movie problem in that we, you know, trying to introduce a character and make a villain that we give a damn about means cutting time from other things. At the same time, though, I'm going to come at this from a weird angle that I didn't mind Steppenwolf because uh, coming at it from the realm of being a, a tabletop uh, role playing gamer who has run a superhero campaign for many, many years. And you kind of have to start with your starter villain. You know, he's big, he's strong. There's not a lot of personality there, but it's, it's his goal and his reason to exist is to get the team united. 
So he fulfilled that role satisfactorily enough for me. He was there to be a big, strong threat who could handle the entire team at once and then get punched out. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. I'm kind of glad they've pushed back Darkseid for that same reason, because I feel like once you've done Darkseid, you have nowhere else to go from there. You know, I mean, because with movies, you want the spectacle to increase with each installment. And it's almost like once you've done Darkseid, <laughs> it's kind of like spectacle is getting really hard to top after that. Um, so... Um, so kind of teeing up on that, um, where do we, do we want them to do sort of either a Legion of Doom or Injustice Gang kind of thing, like the ending was hinting at, or would you like the sequel, if there is one, to go off on a, a different tangent? I would like to see a Legion of Doom movie and then Justice League 2. Hmm, interesting. That way we get our movie that builds our villains, and then it matters when they fight. <laughs> I'd like to see a movie before Legion of Doom that builds up some freaking heroes, so then Legion of Doom makes sense. And then <laughs> right. like, you can well, yeah. bring Joe Manganiello in there and be like, okay, Slade, we're ready to go. Like, who else is going to join your freaking club? We already saw that with Suicide Squad. That didn't work out too well, now did it? <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, that was kind of my problem, because it was like, since we don't have solo movies with the different heroes, it's like, what is that that league of their own going to entail because you'll have to establish all of those characters well you are going to be getting solo yeah. movies from here on out though until yeah. you know who knows when because you already have a flash movie that's being starting to get into production i have no confidence in the flash movie ever getting made you also have aquaman though too right aquaman will get made yes because they're well, making it right now because basically every announcement that DC has made, I have zero confidence in because so far they have moved their schedule, changed things so much. They announce a new movie almost every week now. Like, oh, we're going to do a Harley Quinn solo movie now in addition to Gotham City Sirens, in addition to Suicide Squad 2, in addition to Joker and Harley. It's like, I don't buy any of this. <laughs> no, well, so. and, and I mean, I'm, I'm at the level where I, that's what I want out of the solo movies is i like you got to create a villain base like you know out of aquaman you know we can we can have manta um you know you can't or black manta you can have um you know i'm not very familiar with cyborg so i'm not even going to try to name any villains primary to cyborg uh, but you know you can do the flash and you can have any number of the Flash's villains um, that you can you can add to you know that list um, you know and and there's villains that I would love to see make make it into a Legion movie like for sure like I would love to see Gorilla Gorilla Grodd like yeah. I'd love to see them do something really good with Gorilla Grodd um, to establish him as a villain in any solo movie um, and introduce him into that. I just but don't. how much do you want to bet the Flash villain in this team up is going to be Reverse Flash? Because you yeah. know. because God, I hope not. <laughs> He's not done enough, right? Like we have to do uh, another Flashpoint thing. So it's like, <laughs> well, that's that's if they do make a Flash movie, that's what it's going to be, well, Sam. That's, and that's the thing. It's like I feel I feel like Flashpoint is like it, it's DC's like. In, in any of the three, like, departments they have right now, right? Like, it was their emergency, like, stop button. Like, right. uh, we don't have any fresh ideas. And the fresh ideas we do have would require that we not have other predetermined, pre-established things that have been there for ages. Flashpoint. We'll just do Flashpoint. It's okay. And I feel like that's where the movie franchise is potentially headed if they can't, if, if, if DC Warner Brothers can't get their heads right and find a way to 
appease both their comic book fans and the general audience with an exciting movie that doesn't feel like it was cut and paste together um, with some randomness that kind of makes sense, but not so much. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential as with any of these movies. I just don't know that I have faith in DCWB to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to see a Justice League too. Um, you know, right now, Justice League, you know, it was originally scheduled for 2019. Uh, and right now on the schedule, it's been completely removed. I like, uh, on some level, I like the idea of them doing either a Legion of Doom or a Justice Gang kind of thing. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of setup. And maybe that's what happens. Maybe Justice League 2 now is going to be like 2021 or something uh, after they've done a lot of setup movies. But I just don't feel like with the amount of coordination that they've had that you know so far that they're setting movies up in that manner to sort of create a logical point you know or, or logical development uh for for characters so that they can do that well i think part of that is the fact that they don't really seem to know how to set anything up because you gotta give marvel this they have known how to plan and i think it comes down to the fact that they have kevin feige that they have someone who's in charge, who has a vision, or at least knows there's a vision. DC has been completely scattershot. You know, sort of Zack Snyder's been in charge, but I don't think he cares about long-term planning. I think, like you said, he just cares about, this is a great visual. What about humans? <laughs> humans. I learned it to look good. Um, <laughs> you know, so they need someone like that in charge at DC. And that's the problem. I think that what the what we've seen with all of these movies, that the only one that's been critically acclaimed and done well at the box office simultaneously has been directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. So I think the rest of the movies going forward just need to be all women. So it was nice. Fun. It was nice fun with their boys, but uh, I think the ladies are going to take over. If, if yeah, I mean, heck, if they wanted to give Batty Jenkins uh, uh, Justice League two, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> Because based on past performance, yeah. you know, of the ones we've had so far, she's the one who has done the best. Yeah, well, and that's why I'm excited because, like, they finally came out and they were like, yeah, Brett, N- Brett Ratner, he's he's not doing Wonder Woman 2, we're, we're going back to Patty Jenkins. And I was like, good call! Good call, guys! <laughs> so, Smart. Yeah, and I mean, if they want to do more female-centric solo movies, that's fine too, but they need to actually... They need to actually know what they're doing and not just announce crap. You know, like, I don't know if Batgirl's ever going to get made. I don't know if anything Harley Quinn is ever going to get made. They just keep announcing movies as if we're just all going to be like, oh, yes. Because, I mean, if you believe every movie they've announced, they are going to have to crank out, like, three movies a year, like, until 2025. Well, with to the make that happen. level of quality that we're getting with Justice League, I mean, that's not a problem for them, so... The thing is, I enjoyed Justice League more than I enjoyed Age of Ultron. I enjoyed Justice League more than I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. I agree completely. I enjoyed I Thor that Ragnarok. Just, I, I, this is, okay, I've been I'm waiting to say this, Nathan. For the first time, I agree with you. A Marvel movie was too funny. Okay. <laughs> I have been I, I, I am you pleased on that point to finally hear that. Iron You're right. <laughs> no, I never said that about Iron no, Man. No, I'm just saying it's been a it's been a bone of contention between the two of us on the Marvel movie. Right, yes. going, it's too funny, and I'm like, no, it's fine. I finally agree with you. I think they hit peak humor, but just as while Thor and Ragnarok was fun and a great movie, and I did enjoy it, Justice League redeemed Superman left me with a smile on the fa- on my face. That ending monologue about hope and looking up in the sky. It was like, okay, they finally get it. 
they get superheroes. And I left with this just this unburdened feeling. I cheered with the scene with him and Barry lining up to do the race just because it doesn't really matter. It's not an important moment, but it's just a fun thing between two characters that's like, yeah, if you can move, if you're two guys who can move super fast and you want to know which one of us is faster, of course you would do that. Of course. You know, why wouldn't you? Exactly, but the Flash has no sense of direction. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But again, it gets back to the point of, you know, what was the goal of this movie? And if the goal of this movie was to redeem the DC franchise, or at least give us a, a, a glimmer that it's going to get better from here, it succeeded 100% there for me. I had people, you know, the th- people have been complaining, oh, people hated it, people despised the movie. People were cheering and clapping at the end of this movie. And I was actually surprised, you know, sitting in the theater. I wasn't, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. But it was just like people were actually cheering and clapping at this. And it was just like, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. So just to wrap out here, um, final thoughts on the movie uh, and uh, anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to say and your assessment. Um, So, uh, Sam, let's start with you. I mean, like I said, when we first started talking about Justice League, it's it's not as bad as Batman versus Superman. It's not as good as Wonder Woman. It's, It's somewhere in the middle. It's mostly competent so it's i don't know i don't feel like this is going to be a movie i'm gonna really look back on with any anything more than just kind of a huh yeah that was a movie that happened um so uh i i think in terms of things we haven't talked about uh we've covered all like the big ones um i will say that one of my favorite scenes actually was when they're all for some reason jumping on superman and trying to fight him after his resurrection and mm-hmm. very is running around him and you see Superman start looking at him and he's and just the look on Barry's face was like, what the, <laughs> that was probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. <laughs> I was going to mention that for myself as well, because it's just great. Cause it's like, he's never had to deal with anyone moving at the same speed as him and having Superman trying to punch him at super speed was just fantastic. Just the look of sheer terror of, Oh my God, I didn't think this was possible. Ezra oh, Miller also, has amazing eyes. Yeah. And the way his, Oh crap. Look, just kept getting more and more. Oh crap. <laughs> right. and he just, and they handled it beautifully they get with Superman's eye cuts first. And mm-hmm. you're like, you think, oh, crap. And then you cut to Barry going, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will say also that it was nice to have Diana using gloves while she's restoring art. So mm, she, yes. she didn't seem to have the same uh, compunction in her own movie. So as an archivist, I can appreciate that. <laughs> There's nothing on your hands that's going to damage anything, is there, Sam? Yeah, oils. Your <laughs> fingerprints. <laughs> You shut your lying mouth. <laughs> hey, who, who knows if Amazons have any of that stuff? <laughs> James, how about you? Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? And what is your final assessment of the movie? Um, I don't think there's anything further for me to beat a dead horse on. Um, I mean, I could, <laughs> but I don't need to. Um, ultimately, like the one thing I will continue to say as far as uh, the only thing I really want to see for future Batman installations in whatever capacity they do batman like again he's not just the money guy dc like don't make him just the money guy that adds so little to that character like again he's the world's greatest detective like really capitalize on that um especially given the fact that it's like oh i've been doing this for like 20 years 
he should know a lot of stuff. He should be able to like go through things with a different kind of intensity than, you know, the human computer can. So, um, like really just like give, give the character something. Don't take away his job and make it. So I just fund everything. Um, I mean, that's fine, but whatever. Um, ultimately, I mean, just as I said on Facebook, right after I saw the movie, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. Um, I did not have the same veracity of disdain in my mind and in my mouth uh, after so many of the other DC movies. Um, whereas, like, this, uh, it was enjoyable. Like, just, it was enjoyable. Um that that's the most I could take away. And uh, Gary, how about you? I, I think I said it best with the. It gave me hope for the DCU. It gave me the Superman. It gave me. It gave me great moments, and I saw it twice. I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, but once. But you know, which I think it's a, but a, a statement in and of itself. But I I think this, if they continue on this trend, if they keep Jaws, if they keep focusing on character, I'm beating a dead horse. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mike? Uh, anything we haven't talked about yet or, uh, or final thoughts about the movie? I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. I definitely think DC is giving us hope. We've been talking a lot about hope tonight. I think Wonder Woman turned it around. And mm-hmm. this is, like Sam had said, this is nowhere near as good as Wonder Woman was. Mm-hmm. But I do think we're on the right track. I think they've righted the ship. And as long as Zach never touches a superhero movie ever again, I'll be a happy camper. Yeah, I, I will say Zack Snyder is a good director on the right projects. The, these were not the right projects. But remember, he knows comics better than you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As he makes sure to tell people whenever they criticize anything he does. <laughs> For me, I think I fall more in the Gary and Mike uh, category with this movie. I thought it was a step in the right direction, certainly. I feel like Wonder Woman has turned things around at DC, and there's only so much they could do with a movie that was already in production. Uh, but I think that the, the, the tonal shift is very obvious. Um, it would be interesting to me, uh, in sort of my morbid curiosity, to see what a totally Zack Snyder-produced Justice League would have been like, just to know how much was done by him and how much was done by Whedon. But I think, and and frankly, I'm impressed, if this was Whedon, that, that how much he was able to do at the 11th hour um, to sort of, you know shift this movie away from the direction that uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman went. Everything except the mustache, I guess. But. I know, exactly. I was about to touch on that. <laughs> I was the only person who didn't notice, <laughs> apparently. I'm the only person in America who is like, what mustache problem? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, this the, I, I own Wonder Woman, and I'm going to own Justice League. I do not own Man of Steel or Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad. So, I mean, I think that says something right there. Um, that uh, this was a movie that's good enough that I will want to rewatch it um, and, uh, and and go back to it. And I hope that it is a sign of, uh, you know, a progress for DC. And that Well, it's kind of funny to say it's a poor performance at the box office, but that's one thing I will mention as of now, that based on what DC was expecting, the movie has not done the money that they wanted it to. So I'm afraid that they're going to say, oh, well, this was obviously a wrong direction, and go back to Grimdark Snyder version. But that's a whole other... <laughs> 
it's a whole other tangent we're not going to go down um but uh, but yeah so sam took my one thing i wanted to talk about which is the berry thing so i'm not going to talk about that but <laughs> i did enjoy the movie overall and uh I, I i would like to see a justice league 2 uh and directed by patty jenkins i think is a great idea so yes. they should they should get on that <laughs> Patty, yeah, put Patty Jenkins in charge of the whole whole show. Yeah, and 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 add characters like Hot Girl. I mean, that would be a good addition, I think. So, all right. So we have been going a little bit long. So uh, let's say goodbye and let people know where they can find us. So Gary, why don't we start with you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter as at Gary underscore Mitchell Mitchell with one L. Uh, yes, Star Trek fans, it's my real name. And you can find me at DragonCon as co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track at DragonCon. Find us on Facebook. Facebook, under groups under dragon con american sci-fi classics track all right and sam why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you uh goodbye internet uh i you can find me on twitter at darling underscore sammy s-a-m-m-y uh you can also go on soundcloud uh, that girl with the curls to listen to the podcast it's also on itunes and uh look forward to uh i don't know when this is going to go out but look forward to uh pop archives the uh the blog about archives and archivists and in, in pop culture uh there you go james why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you um goodbye uh, and you can find me on twitter um at roman on the rocks um you can follow my website uh it's the same thing it's roman on the rocks.com pretty much across any medium it's roman on the rocks uh including my podcasts which you can start finding on soundcloud um i will now apologize for them being old podcasts like really old podcasts but new stuff's coming so stay tuned yeah, and if you're uh, listening to the 42 cast, you already know about old podcasts getting put out, so, you know, it's okay, James. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Woman's coming out next week, so that tells you something. <laughs> As of the time of this recording. But anyway, <laughs> um, Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye. You can find me everywhere. <laughs> anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Exactly. <laughs> right. All right. If you want me to do the elevator speech real quick, uh, you can find Earth Station One up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, of course, we are have a Facebook group for the ESO network, and both Gary and Nathan participate all the time in there. And we have a great bunch of people. Like I said, 26 shows up on the network, esopodcast.com. And if you ever need to get in touch with me, it's esopodcast at gmail.com. And we're up on Twitter as esopodcast. So, you know. It's pretty easy, and also uh, we have Earth Station Who, and we got plenty of different shows, and we also do a little show called The Dragon Con Report, which is all about Dragon Con. And guess what, folks? It's starting up next month. <laughs> yes, that's right. The countdown has already started, so it should be really interesting to see where it goes this year. And you know, we talk about all things geeky on all of our shows, and we'd love to have you guys aboard. Yeah, Dragon Con season starts pretty much when the previous Dragon Con ends, right? Uh, the night after, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, but, uh, Sam, James, Gary, and Mike, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being had. A pleasure. Thank you. And that's a wrap for Justice League. We hope that you liked it as much as we enjoyed making it. Um, I feel like I go through this spiel every time, and I don't know if everyone's kind of sick of hearing it. I don't know if some people just sporadically listen to episodes when the topics uh, take their interest, but there's a ton of ways to get in touch with us. There's the email at everything at 42cast.com. There's the website at 42cast.com. You can
can tweet to us at at 42cast. There's the Facebook page, facebook.com slash 42cast. You can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. There's just a load of ways of getting in touch with us. I'd like to hear it. I'd love to see more reviews. Let me know specifics about the show as a whole or about individual episodes or about guests that you like to hear, guests you don't like to hear, topics you like to hear, topics you don't like to hear. You know, I, I enjoy getting that feedback, and now that we're getting through the backlog, the feedback can, you know, start to reflect what we're actually recording, whereas, you know, for a while there, I get that, uh, you know, you might have a comment, and we might change the way that we're doing the show, and you won't know it for a while, because we're releasing old episodes, um, but I also wanted to mention the Patreon, as always, uh, patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's a way of just supporting all the shows on the network, including the 42 cast. You get access to exclusive episodes. We have one up there. Well, I'm sure we're going to get more up there soon, especially now that our release schedule has gotten better. Uh, so definitely check out the Patreon. Uh, contribute if you can. It's It helps all of us. So... I've been posting on the Facebook page about, uh, you know, like, what do you want to hear? I've been sort of posting what the topics are that we have still in the backlog. Feel free to go on the Facebook page. Let me know which of those topics you have any interest in. I uh, definitely want to start releasing those. Your feedback as far as the order is fine with me because it doesn't really matter to me. None of those are very uh, time-dependent or they would have been released before. So give me the feedback back let me know what you want and that's what we will do so in an update about me uh not a whole lot's changed my wife just found out that her prognosis for her foot is not so good uh turns out that there was damage that they didn't find on the x-ray initially they did an mri to explain why she has the pain that she still has so looks like it'll be a year or so before she fully recovers that, of course, is not good and uh, is <laughs> causing some difficulty in my life, but still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS. Still hoping to uh, see people uh, there, you know, whoever wants to let me know that you listen to the 42 cast. I always love it when people come up after a panel or whatever and say like, hey, I listen to your show or anything like that. So if you want to chat with me, you hear me or you see me on a panel or whatever, uh, come on by, you know, chat me up. Because uh, I don't know a lot of people in this area since I'm from the South. So it's always nice to meet people at cons and, you know, just be able to, you know, talk about the stuff that we love. And with that, I think we've come to the end of our episode. Join us back next week when William Hartnell will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.